DJ Simulationistas. So, with Dr. D, Dan Raymer, and Dr. J, Janice Palaganis, coming at you from the Center for Medical Simulation in Boston, Massachusetts. So buckle up your mannequin, and let's roll. DJ Simulationista, sup? You're here with Dan Raymer and... Janice Pelagatis. What's up, Dan? What's up, Janice? I was thinking, someone someone once said to me at the end of one of our courses um, some really complimentary things about my teaching. Uh-huh. And I remember... No surprise. I remember thinking, <laughs> really? Are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> I'm you know, just another average teacher. Really? And, and, um, really? Yeah, yeah, I think it's cool for me to hear that from you. Yeah. Because you've been one of my favorites. Well, made me think, or I've been thinking about, like, what does that, what, what does that mean? Like, you know, like, who have been the inspiring teachers in my life? Mm-hmm. And what is it about them that, made me think this is a really great teacher. I want to be like them. Yeah. Sort of thing. So so um that's an interesting question. Yeah, I mean you've you've had good teachers and not so good teachers. Tell me yeah. about your favorite teacher that you think Gosh, favorite teacher well see, there's like the, you know, it's categorizing by mental models. And so when you think of teacher for me, I'm thinking of like grade school, middle school, high school, maybe even college. But I think there are other teachers in my life that that to me have been my greatest teacher. So, I mean, from the mental model of of school as in like classroom setting, I would say my favorite teacher was a woman by the name of Mrs. Katz, and she was my science teacher in sixth grade. And she was amazing. She was enthusiastic. She um, was passionate about the material. I think that was really important. And she was passionate about us sharing her passion. Should I talk about other teachers, though? Um, uh, so we'll get there. So why don't we do this, uh, it, like ping pong. Uh, okay. So I'll tell you mine and it'll yeah, probably. I'm dying to hear yours. So mine is an odd one. I had, so when I was in college, it was during the Vietnam War. Uh-huh. And Richard Nixon ordered an attack on Cambodia. Mm-hmm. And Cambodia, to our knowledge, hadn't been part of the war. And so it triggered a student strike around the country. And so every college, uh, most every college, went on strike. And it was right near the end of the semester. In, in the university I was going to, we went out on strike and I was uh, one of the leaders of the 
strike movement in the College of Engineering. And um, uh, I, I think this was campus-wide. We had negotiated a deal where um, the semester would end prematurely and that we had the choice of taking our final exams or taking an incomplete or repeating a course. Yeah, it's so amazing that you lived through this. Yes, it was, it was quite an interesting, formative time. And so my favorite teacher at the time was my calculus teacher. Calculus. Wow, I wonder if this has anything to do with your, how you went into bioengineering. So I didn't like calculus very much. Uh -huh. I, I now think that uh, calculus and the way that it's taught is a complete waste of time because when you do calculus for practical problem solving, you don't do it the way that you learn in college. And I believe it hasn't changed very much since I do then. wonder if it has changed. In any case, that's a tangent. So the thing that impressed me about this teacher was that the very first day of class, he knew everybody's name. By the end of the first hour, he knew everybody's name. He had and a back then, you don't have pictures of people? He had a prodigious memory, and he was able to memorize, somehow memorize every person's name. I have to pause and here, though. Like, you don't think there was any prep material that there he was, could get? There was none, I'm sure of it. Wow. Um, and nothing like that had ever happened before. And he spoke to each of us as a person and addressed us by our name. And, and um, How many people did you say? Oh, he had like, you know, probably five sections of calculus. Know. Of how many people? Like a hundred? Don't even say a hundred. Like not a. I don't remember there being that many, but you know, thirty to fifty in each class, something like that. Uh huh. And he taught, you know, several different levels of calculus, maybe some other math. And he was an older man. Uh huh. And he had a. Is that why you, you like him? He had a very. <laughs> yeah. He had a very approachable manner. And the thing that was so great about it was I wound up loving his class, even though, even then, I wanted no part of calculus. <laughs> I learned it, and I, and I was pretty good at it. Mm -hmm. But, you know, learning after that, I realized that, that everything he taught us was impractical and, and quite... <laughs> quite useless. That's so funny. Yeah. Well, yeah. so... And so the Vietnam War thing, uh -huh. uh, I believe I was taking his course when that happened, and I liked it so much, I chose to take the course again the next year. So I repeated the same course just so that <laughs> I could be with him. <laughs> Even though you hate calculus. Wait, did you know then you hated calculus? Or yeah, yeah, well, I mean, I didn't hate calculus. I just, you know, I just, you know, it's kind of a difficult uh, top subject. And, yeah. you know, it's kind of esoteric. And um, So and uh, can I just comment on this? Because I think it's great. The first is, I wonder how much 
the person that inspired us, you know, most inspiring teacher influenced how we've become because I see all those qualities in you. And I wonder how much of it was his modeling uh-huh. that allowed you to focus on those things right. when you teach. Right. And and the other thing that I love is that you took the class again. <laughs> yeah. And I just, you know, I think it's an overlooked factor in education. Like when you're doing course evaluation, the faculty is, you know, to me, the number one impact yeah. on the course. And we often don't, we don't often evaluate that. We often evaluate the content, the material, the, yeah. you know, but the faculty and, and you know most places you'll you do have an opportunity to evaluate the faculty but many times we don't look at that but i think it was the then and i believe this now it's the personal connection you make and the fact that he made that connection in the introductory phase on the very first day of class uh-huh. has stuck with me yeah and so i you know often do the introductions where people introduce themselves in our courses. I love doing that. Mm-hmm. Maybe it comes from that inspiration of, of yeah. uh, you know, how, how critical that is to, you know, then invest in the material, it, which I did. I'm guessing you had friends in the course. No, I don't remember. I, oh, never, no? I didn't have any friends in college. I always wonder, because <laughs> I... I <laughs> I often wonder, as I've noticed here at CMS, our learners, they feel more connected often to one of the faculty that's teaching the course. And so I wonder how many other people, um, you know, that took that course with you didn't find him appealing, didn't, you know, I'm sure it's, it's difficult because he sounds like such an amazing guy, yet I think we're drawn to certain personalities and certain mm. attributes of individuals that other people might not be. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I mean, I, for my favorite teacher, no. I, there were definitely people that misbehaved in class and yeah. didn't like her. I loved her. Yeah. Well, I'm sure that the, that the you know, personal connection is very personal. And and so yeah, I'm sure that people didn't like him for one reason or another. You know, maybe maybe the material, the way he presented it, that they didn't understand it, that it was difficult, that they didn't like the way he gave his exams, or you know, who knows. But somehow he was able to overcome any further complaints I would have had by his rapport and connection with me. Mm-hmm. And and I'm sure that it that it continued through the semester, both mm-hmm. semesters, because I really felt like I had a bond with him. It was really cool. quite quite inspirational. So can I tell you who my other most inspiring teacher is? Sure. Aside from this, what we would all accept as a mental model teacher, it's actually Gianna, my daughter. Uh-oh. Uh-huh. Yeah. No, I think she teaches me a lot about myself that I uh-huh. I've never realized from anyone else and and you know, inspires me to be better because I know I'm modeling for her and she's constantly reflecting habits that I do. Mm-hmm. And that's just 
I think it's the immediate feedback too is, is when I see it in her, I, I can see where I can improve. And then she's very honest and will constantly tell me. Tell me about the teacher that you hated the most. We've all had a teacher ah. who we felt wasn't a good teacher. I think it would have to be. It, it, so it would be a clinical instructor that I had. Um, who I, I actually think about this often. She was in our ter in our terminology here at CMS. I would consider her the judgmental clinical <laughs> instructor. Uh -huh. And um, so I had a patient that uh, was starting to get diaphoretic and was symptomatic for in ways that we didn't know why he was getting to that point. And so I went ahead and did a blood sugar. You know, I, I did a little finger stick and wanted to see where his glucose was. And I got reamed. I got reamed because I didn't have a doctor's order. I didn't talk with her. And I thought, you know, I navigated through the situation Pretty quickly, I did ask uh, one of the physician staff. It wasn't his um, doctor, but I did ask. And then I went and listen to me being all defensive. And, and going through my clinical years, I think back to that situation, I would have done the same thing. And had I had a student that did that, would have commended that behavior. And the fact that she reamed me, you know, and I think holding the basic assumption for her, maybe I had messed up some communications that she had set with the physician. Maybe it had something to do with, you know, her having control of her students and not, you know, I don't know what it is, but all of those reasons that I could potentially think of, to me, what is more, you know, egocentric and associated with either her relationships or her identity. And I thought, I still think back to that moment, and I thought, ah, oh, it's awful for me yeah. as a student. So I have two worst ones. <laughs> two, okay. So in high school, uh, we could take some electives, and I was interested in government. I wound up, I actually majored in government in college uh, my first semester. I know that semester. about you. Yeah, yeah. Um, I switched to engineering the second semester. After I calculus, didn't, didn't after two like years, it. two semesters no, of calculus. No, it was later. Um, and so I signed up for East Asian history. I did not know this about which you. Which sounded really interesting as uh -huh. a high school course, very advanced, very kind of, you know, avant-garde out there. Yeah. And uh, this guy just lectured. <laughs> and he, he kind of read from extensive pages that he had prepared the night before. Oh, my gosh. This is, like, proof of what I had said earlier. So this is, like, you were so anti that. <laughs> it was so boring. So boring. <laughs> and, yes, I have, you know, attended many, 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 many lectures in my career, some of them I've really enjoyed and have been great, but on balance, I think it's just inherently not the best way to engage learners, that it's so easy to lose them mm -hmm. um, uh, after some time. My, my other worst was when I was taking pharmacology in medical, stu in medical school, uh -huh. and I was uh, in Utah, uh, in Salt Lake City, Utah, which is a very conservative place. 
they would periodically, to liven up that course, bring in patients. And uh, so there was a guest instructor from the psychology department, and he brought in a patient and interviewed the patient in front of us and then sent the patient out of the room, I believe, and then interacted with us, the students. And it was about marijuana. And so he contended, he interviewed <laughs> this kid who had had a, you know, lots of problems and was under his care. And he sent the kid out of the room, and he then proceeded to tell us how this kid was a marijuana addict and that all of his problems were about his use of marijuana and the it was worse than you know heroin and uh he he it was sort of political i um you know had read a lot about marijuana and uh, knew a lot about it and i raised my hand and and i asked him the impertinent question you've said that marijuana is is the uh, essence of his problems Maybe it's the essence of his solutions. He proceeded to lose his cool and <laughs> kind of, you know. Oh, you were that student. He, he was, oh, my God, he was merciless in how disrespectful I was and <laughs> how I didn't know what I was talking about. And um, Wait, and wait, what class was this? Oh, in pharmacology. Oh, pharmacology. Yeah. And uh, lots of the, my fellow students came up to me afterwards. Quietly congratulated me for <laughs> <laughs> letting him have it because it, it seems just so off base. <laughs> that was like I considered him to be. I I wouldn't I wouldn't ever want to be so certain of science knowledge. Uh huh. That like being I, so black that and white. I, that I wouldn't be open to looking at it from other points of view. So and were you yellow back then as you are now, meaning whatever and living in the gray and thinking out I've of I've always been a bit of a troublemaker, so <laughs> that was part of my Oh, so that kind of disproves my theory. Yeah, so, so when I was in medical school, which I took most of the courses in medical school, but I was an engineer, and in both universities that I went to, I was given a seat in the medical school class as an engineer as part of some program mm -hmm. in bioengineering that they had. And uh, the students often were irritated with me because <laughs> I would ask questions because I was interested and they would be upset because they knew it wouldn't be on the test. <laughs> and so, you know, that was that was considered a bit of a <laughs> An annoying troublemaker. <laughs> I got along with everybody, but uh, I, sure I knew, I knew that they thought that bad of me. So any other great teacher moments that you can think I, of? I have lots of great teacher moments. I feel like everyone has been a great teacher to me in some way, even the bad ones. I mean, yeah. Now you, so then you, you can learn always, you can always learn something. You always learn something uh, regardless. I, I guess I got to give some credit to my colleague Jim Phillip, who I worked with and for for many years before I did simulation. And uh, 
You know, the great thing about Jim's teaching was that it was always hands-on and that he was always open to ask the learner's opinion. And so even though I wasn't a clinician, I would be in the operating room with him and a resident frequently because we were doing all sorts of projects there. And uh, he would turn to me sometimes and ask me for my clinical opinion about something. And I, I you know, at first I was like, don't ask me, like, <laughs> you know, I'm not a clinician, why are you asking me? But it was, it was just because he was, wanted to teach me about decision, clinical decision making and, and, uh, and, you know, the thought processes and, uh, he, he wasn't going to act on my opinion and, you know, give the patient the wrong drug based on my, you know, kind of amateur opinion, but he, taught me so much and it paid off many fold when I you know years later became a simulationista and had to do debriefings because I wound up knowing an awful lot about clinical medicine that I wouldn't <laughs> otherwise know mm -hmm. and I think it was his openness to treat me in a respectful way and he respected my intellect and my insights and my different point of view and he was also teaching the resident who was there the same thing by asking me my opinion um, so you know so I just thought that was a great quality and made him a really excellent teacher who I've who I've always admired yeah, I think the, you know, the high regard, just quoting Jenny Rudolph here, high regard, high respect, that, you know, when you can set that standard, you'll you'll get more out yeah. of the relationship and more yeah. out of the teaching and the learning. Yeah. And and you know, the great thing about him was that he he demonstrated that to every learner, whether it was the anesthesia tech who came in to, you know, help him change a monitor over, or uh, to me, you know, the researcher, or to the resident, or to the other, other um, you know, clinicians in the room, the nurses and the surgeons. Um, I just thought that was such a great example of how keeping everyone in high regard and asking, you know, good questions, being curious about their answers and really listening to what they had to say. I just think that's such a great quality as an educator. So fun talking to you about best <laughs> teachers. I would love to hear worst. what our listeners, you know, the characteristics from their most inspiring teachers and the characteristics <laughs> from their least inspiring yeah. teachers. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 that would be great if they could... Uh, you know, write, write that'd in be and, great. and respond to us. That'd be nice to, to read. Be interesting. Yeah. Well, thanks, Dan. Thanks, this Janice. is interesting. DJ Simulationistas, sup? Is brought to you by the Center for Medical Simulation. Find out more about CMS and learn about our simulation instructor training and course offerings at www.harvardmedsim.org. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.